Well, hi everyone. I'm Barrett Bowden, lead pastor of Island Community Church. I want to welcome you to a mini series that we are doing that complements our current summer series. We're calling these episodes our Good Neighbor Series Spotlights. And really, I just want to invite you to join us on a journey as we explore practical application of the good neighbor values that are being taught in our church in this season. They're all aimed at shining a light on the transformative power of loving our neighbors. And at the heart of the series lies a vital biblical principle, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. As Jesus taught, this commandment is second only to loving God, and it encompasses everything that we are called to do. Our love for neighbors is a tangible expression of our love for God, and it proves the depth of our faith. So throughout this series, what we're going to be doing is thinking deeply and practically on the application of the parable of the Good Samaritan, which we've reimagined as the parable of the good neighbor from Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. This powerful parable really prompts us to ask two crucial questions. First, who is my neighbor? A question that Jesus himself addressed. And second, what kind of neighbor are you? A question that calls us all to reflect on our own actions and attitudes. So in each Good Neighbor Series Spotlight of this mini-series, we'll delve into a unique Good Neighbor value. We'll explore what the Bible teaches about these values and why they're essential to being a good neighbor. But primarily, we're going to bring this value to life through an interview with individuals from our church community. These interviews will offer a glimpse into the lives of those in our church family who have embodied these good neighbor values. And they will share their stories of compassion, selflessness, and sacrificial love. By hearing their experience, we hope to inspire and equip you to embrace these values in your own life with a simple goal, to see you grow in your love for God and your love for your neighbors. As you hear today's interview hosted by our Associate Pastor of Discipleship, Mitchell Morris, we pray you'll become more eager and more equipped to be ambassadors of God's love and leave a lasting impact on the neighborhood all around you. Well, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of our Good Neighbor series. And today's Good Neighbor value is that good neighbors live justly. And joining us for our conversation today, we have the one and only Michelle Bowden. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. How do you feel about joining us today? I feel delighted. <laughs> okay, good Thanks answer. Thanks for having me. Good answer. <laughs> well, Michelle, before we just jump into the conversation, okay. um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I feel very unprepared for this question. Why? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Michelle. Yep. Um, I am married to Barrett. Yes. Little known fact. Little known um, fact. And Shocker. have two great daughters, a nine-year-old mm-hmm. and a three-year-old, yeah. who are pretty fantastic. Yeah. And in my working world, I'm a pediatrician, mm-hmm. and I work for our local children's hospital, uh, mostly doing outpatient work, work a lot in eating disorder space, and with, um, yeah, people who live mostly in and around downtown Memphis. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, we'll talk more about that, but yeah. that was a perfect bio. Sorry if I caught you off guard there. <laughs> no um, so I mentioned just a second ago 
that our good neighbor value for today is that good neighbors live justly. Some people may hear that and kind of wonder, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Uh, So tell us, just let's just start by... Uh, the conversation with what what does that mean to you when I say good neighbors yeah. live justly? What does that mean to live justly? Yeah. Man, I feel like it's a hard term to summarize mm-hmm. yeah. because it can mean, I think it can mean a lot of different things. And I think yeah. it can potentially even mean like different things in different phases of our lives yeah, um, in terms of how it is like played out. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think living justly has always meant that I felt really passionately about making the world a place that was more like heaven. Hmm. Um, recognizing that we have a really fallen yeah. and broken world. Yeah. And that what we do day in and day out, no matter what our profession is, no matter what our marital status is, yeah. um, really no matter what our age is, um, that we are going to encounter things that are broken. Yeah. Um, and for me, living justly means trying to make them a little less broken. Yeah. How do you feel like you sort of developed that heart? Obviously, yeah. that's from the Lord, but how do you yeah. feel like you've grown yeah. in that? Yeah, I think, um, I think it probably started even as young as like my teenage years. Hmm. I... I think I felt really sensitive to um, places where people were marginalized, yeah. um, where people didn't have the same advantages that I had, didn't have the same um, gifts, whether those be like physical or familial or mm-hmm. um, friendships that I had. Yeah. Um, just knowing that things were not always equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord really doing work in my heart to say, you know, when Jesus prayed, he prayed that heaven would come to earth yeah. um, and that maybe I could be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so I think it started out with just choosing to be involved, you know, even in high school and ministries that meant that I went to neighborhoods that had a lot less economic advantage than mm-hmm. I, at the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, and that befriending people who are really different than me, um, you know, and as I've grown, it has manifested as choosing where I work mm-hmm. and choosing the kind of patient populations that I serve. Yeah. Um, so something that I feel like has like grown and changed over time, but has yeah. continued to, um, really shape the things that I choose to be involved in and, yeah. um, and the decisions that I make that kind of shape what my life looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I want to kind of jump back. You shared, you started sharing about your work a little bit earlier, sure. but I'd love for you to share more uh, about what you do and specifically uh, how what you do is kind of shaped by that desire to be an agent of justice in a broken world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, we, um, I knew like once you get into medical school and you like start going through the process, right? You, really um, start considering all the avenues that you have that you could consider, you know, to as your final career path. Um, And for me, I knew that I wanted my career to be something where I could, you know, be a part of work that the Lord was doing. Um, And I think that can look a lot of different ways for a lot of people. But for me, because I feel like the Lord has had such a strong sense of justice in my life over time, um, 
what I knew about how I wanted my career to be shaped was that it would be shaped by um, working in places where I had the opportunity to work with people who were disadvantaged. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, as a pediatrician, there are lots of options, right? You can sure. work in the hospital, you can do an outpatient clinic, you can you know, be in lots of different scenarios. But specifically, I felt a real call towards um, being in a kind of clinical setting that had the opportunity to work with specifically people who lived in poverty. Yeah. Um, and so um, the decisions that I've made as a, you know, kind of graduating from medical school and residency were really shaped by wanting to stay in a place where, you know, a city where mm. there's a lot of need because yeah. there is a lot of poverty, but yeah. also in a job that allowed me to work with patient populations um, that maybe underinsured or uninsured or had um, Medicaid programs because not every clinic and not every place um, has the opportunity right. to work with those patient populations. Right. And for me, that became a real drive towards what I was going to choose to do yeah. um, to be able to continue to work in those specific patient populations because yeah. I feel like it is um, the, the heart that the Lord has given me is to to ensure that those patients have the same opportunities um, towards healthcare. Yeah. That you know, patients who live in a different part of town yeah. and have different economic advantage. Yeah. Have and so I feel a real draw towards providing excellent medical care. Yeah. For um for patients that don't always have the same advantages yeah. in a lot of other areas of life. Yeah. Now I want to ask you. I hope this isn't too obvious, but sure. What did that cost you? <laughs> yeah. To choose that over some of those other options you yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. I think um, it, pro- it feels a little bit more, as I've gotten more specialized over the years, I, I do most of my workload now is in the eating disorder space. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting about the eating disorder space is where a lot of medical care has become more equitable over time. The eating mm. disorder space is really not. Wow. So there's, Why is that? That's a good question. Um, the answer is probably capitalism. Okay. Um, it sure. there is there's money to be made yeah. in um, yeah. taking care of people who have private insurance. Yeah. Um, or can afford really high out of pocket costs sure. um, to get care. Yeah. Um, and there's really a lack of care for uh, people who live in poverty yeah. and for people of color. Yeah. Um, and wow. so it has stayed really important to me mm. um, to stay in a space where I could see everybody who walked through the door. Yeah. Um, no matter what their means were. Um, yeah. And the deeper I've gotten into the eating disorder world, the more I've seen um, why it's inequitable. Mm. It's because you can make a lot of money mm. um, caring for people um, who have the economic resources. Yeah. Sure. Um, And that means that I don't get a raise every year. It means that I don't make the same kind of money that people um, who work in private industry do. Yeah. Um, But the, the call, the clear call from the Lord in my life has been to continue to press on Mm. to to bring justice yeah. um, to my little part of the world yeah. um, and eating disorder care. 
That's so good. And uh, the reason I ask that is because I think it's important that we acknowledge um, as those who, generally speaking, have means and have resources and have privileges, it does cost us something to be an agent of justice. It's not just something that uh, it sounds good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, but there is a cost. I'm curious to hear, though, on the other side of that cost, what are... Uh, what are the benefits? <laughs> what are the yeah. what are the things that make you say, "Oh, this is so worth it"? Yeah. Maybe there are stories there. Or maybe yeah. I don't know exactly how you want to share right. about that. I want to respect, you know, what's best for you. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, I, I think clearly, um, you know, the benefits of getting to be a part of seeking justice with people and for people. Yeah. Um is to see the redemptive work that that brings in people's lives. Mm. Because I think, especially when you're talking about justice, to have, in some ways, to lack justice is to lack a respect of your humanity. Mm. And I think I come back so often to seeing justice as an instrument of knowing that every person that I encounter is made in the image of God and deserves to know that they are loved and that they are valuable. And so for me to see that light bulb come on, that I am getting this kind of care Mm. because people believe that I'm worthy to be loved and to potentially have the opportunity to say that there's a God of the universe who mm. believes you're worthy to be yeah. loved. Yeah. Um, that's a reward. <laughs> Man, that's, that yeah. brings me back again yeah. and again, um, yeah. even when the cost feels high. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm, I would imagine um, oftentimes the work of justice, <laughs> yeah. it feels thankless. Yeah. Or... <laughs> Uh, difficult and challenging yeah. and like it's an uphill battle maybe yeah. because you mentioned this earlier sort of you're going against the grain in ways right. from kind of what on paper makes sense for your career and even uh, for just the powers that be even right. in medicine um, yeah. and so how is it rare that you get those glimpses of God's redemptive work in people's lives? Uh, I I hope not <laughs> I think some of the Lord's kindness to me is that he um, allows me in the power of the Spirit to see that even when it's not necessarily, mm. like, stated. Wow, okay. Um, to see, you know, a kid get better from their illness, to see yeah. them um, graduate from high school, yeah. to see them, um, you know, make meaningful relationships in their lives. Like, I yeah. think those are opportunities that when I am walking in step with the Lord, yes. I can see as pieces of yeah. his kingdom yeah. on earth. Yeah. Um, and, and I can remember those and lean into those and you know, hold those things in my heart, you yeah. know, set up little altars of remembrance. Yes. Yes. Um, so that on the days, uh, Barrett and I sometimes share mm-hmm. a phrase um, that, there are days when the world feels extra broken. Yeah. Right? When fighting for justice feels too hard mm-hmm. because the hills are too steep. Yeah. 
and the battles are too, there's too much loss. Um, That on those days that the Lord brings those remembrances back to say, this is what I've called you to and I'll be faithful. And remembering that ultimately it's his work and not mine um, that he invites me into and I get the joy of being a part of. Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gift. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think my my last question for you, um, and then if there's anything else you want to share, I'd love to hear it. But I, I'm thinking, I'm imagining someone who's maybe watching or listening, and they're thinking, well, my day-to-day yeah. doesn't feel as justice-oriented, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I have that in my heart. Of course I want to see God's kingdom come to earth or yeah. heaven come to earth, like you said it earlier. I want to see the gospel uh, played out in people's lives, of course. I want to see restoration and redemption, but yeah, it's hard for me to see in my day to day. What are there, are there any like maybe pieces of practical encouragement or advice sure. you would give them to just maybe um, here's what it can look like for you? Yeah, to prioritize true justice in, in yeah. your life. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, in in having these conversations with people over the years, I think justice also often feels like such a big thing, right? It feels like such a huge endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I would be a drop in the ocean to pursue justice. What can I do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I really, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not storming the doors of anything (laughs) to, you know, make big changes from a, you know, yeah. 50,000 foot level. Sure. Um, I'm asking the Lord to show me what it means for one patient at a time. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to be willing to see injustice. Yeah. That's and good. honestly, I think a lot of us that is, um, mm. that can be a real challenge because yeah. if we've never been faced with injustice, if sure. we've never experienced injustice, then we may not mm. know what injustice looks like and we certainly don't know what injustice feels like yeah Hmm. so i um i've gotten in the habit of following people whose perspective looks really different than mine like on social media yeah to hear what their experience feels like um so i can know more of that yeah um and then i think once i i know i've done the work of like at least being aware that it exists You know, asking the Holy Spirit to give me eyes to see that. Yeah. Um, and I think for some people, if that feels like a hard prayer to pray because it is, um, because they're either afraid that they won't see mm-hmm. anything or they're afraid that they'll see too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just trusting that the Lord's enough yeah. for either of those, that yeah. the Lord um, softens hearts yes. when our hearts needs to be softened and the Lord is um, big enough to handle yeah. All the brokenness that we could yeah. see and bear. And we know that when we look at Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a, the first step that I think is really important is just being willing to like see and see, um, being intentional about mm-hmm. seeing that. Maybe that means like talking to somebody that looks really different from yes. you. So Maybe that means being inquisitive mm-hmm. for somebody that's already in your life, but you know comes from a really different background or experience yeah. to know what, what their life looks like yeah. um, so that you can understand that. Um, and then I think it, it looks as simple as volunteering, yeah. you know, in a ministry that 
where you know that, you know, maybe kids don't have the same advantages that you grew up with yeah. or, you know, adults that have been put by the side because yeah. they're old and don't have anything to offer anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just taking like one intentional step towards uh, being an agent of justice, I think looks like taking one step towards a person yeah, um, to get to know them and to um, offer what you have, which is yeah. the Lord yeah. um, and his love for you and his love for them. Yeah. And the, See where the Lord leads after that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, so I kind of hear the way I was processing it is like, okay, so for me, I'm like super practical. Mm-hmm. I like open my eyes, <laughs> meaning like I allow myself to see yeah. injustice, like really see it, yeah. look at it, see it. Yeah. And then ask God to work in my heart. Yeah. And then that last thing is really practical. It's like offering my hands. What's, what's one thing I can do, even if yeah. it's for one person? Right. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think feels more, I know for me, that feels, I'm like, okay, I can I can do those things yeah. and see where the Lord leads me from there. Right, yeah. 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 So cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much. Is there anything else you'd want to share before we wrap up? No, okay. I, think, I think that okay. covers it. Well, thanks. thank you so much. Seriously, it's yeah. been super helpful. And mm-hmm. I hope it's been beneficial for you uh, to know how to better love your neighbor. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us.